Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, a coach a cultural psychologist, and delighted to be part of the executive leadership team with the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. Today, we're going to be focusing on lessons learned, living in advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Delighted to have my colleague, Damon Carson, General Manager of Education, Instruction, and Operations, and Chairman of the Board for the National Head Start Association uh, with us today. Damon, thank you for being with us today. Oh, good afternoon, Cheryl, and thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. And also delighted to have uh, Dr. Donald Chick returning to speak with us some more on this topic of DEI. Uh, Dr. Chick is the president and CEO, CEO of New Synergistic Consulting. Uh, again, Dr. Chick, welcome back to Leadership Matters. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going to just jump right in and um, start with maybe framing our discussion first around diversity. We're going to talk a little bit about inclusion and then end on the fabulous topic of um, equity. So when we think about DEI and generally the term diversity, it's really about uh, showing up in ways where people from diverse backgrounds and paths of life, they, uh, one, are present, and two, feel welcomed and um, feel invited. And so with that, uh, Damon, we'll start and I just ask you, you know, have you ever worked in a place where diversity was lacking? Uh, yeah, um, that, that would be a yes. <laughs> that would be a yes. And what was that experience like for you? Well, my disclaimer is it's not my current employer. Absolutely. I know it's not. I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> well, I, I, I would just um, take you all back uh, a couple decades, uh, late 90s. This, this had to be um, 1998, 1999. Uh, I, was a, I was a second year law student. Um, at a historically black college and university law school, Thurgood Marshall School of Law at Texas Southern University. Um, You know, to help offset some of the cost of my education, um, I I, I got a job. I minored in undergraduate, in undergrad, I minored in, uh, I had a minor in accounting. Um, So to offset some of my law school expenses, uh, I, I took a kind of a part-time job with one of the largest accounting firms uh, in the United States at that time, and that would be Arthur Anderson. Mm-hmm. And I believe back then, if my memory serves me correctly, they were a part of the big six or big five. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that no longer pretty much exists in this day for, for a number of reasons and a number of factors. Um, but this was a large um, accounting tax audit firm, uh, one of the largest in the country. And we occupied uh, a large, um, I want to say about a 15-story office building. 
my role was was really just to uh, help the partners and principals and some of the staff with 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 some of their you know some of their 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 day to day work whether it was financial statements. Um, journal entries, uh, writing memos, and things of that nature. Um, they had to employ uh, in that building, I, I would say at least five, 600 people. Mm-hmm. Um, on, on my floor, I was on the 11th floor. Uh, I happened to be the only African-American um, in that workspace. Um, so, you know, coming to work every day, I, I didn't necessarily see people who looked like me. Uh, had similar backgrounds uh, that I came from, and 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 really, you know, that was the basic eye test in in terms of a lack of diversity. Not very many people of color in general, uh, at all, and 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 really, that felt very very awkward. Um, I, I I grew up here in San Diego, California, and and most of the schools I I attended either had. A uh, little diversity or none at all. So, so it wasn't necessarily new to me, mm-hmm. but it just felt pretty weird that I was the only one. Yeah, and, and it really makes you feel isolated and alone, mm-hmm. and, and really it keeps you on guard most of the time. Mm-hmm. And but that was the place where I worked. Yeah. So, in that, as you reflect back, and I'm not sure if you ever did. And I'm curious if there were any lessons you learned from that experience. You know, I learned that, I don't know if I I really learned anything per se, Mm -hmm. but at that point, uh, that was my introduction to corporate America per se. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and quickly, I understood that uh, corporate America certainly wasn't a reflection of broader society. Mm Mm-hmm. And did not reflect broader society. So I learned that very quickly and almost conditioned myself to believe that was the expectation and that was how it's going to be moving forward throughout my career. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for um, sharing that. And I would, um, hmm. I would imagine that feeling of isolation um, in that type of environment would be um, one that others would, in fact, I can relate to in my own um, journey and life experience working in corporate America as well. Uh, kind of feeling that sense of um, realizing you were the only, only one, and that in and of itself can have a sense of um, um, loneliness mm-hmm. and longing for. Uh, Dr. Chick, how about yourself? Have you ever worked in a place um, where diversity was lacking? Absolutely. And I would say in many ways, my uh, experience was similar to Damon's. I grew up in Cleveland and uh, went through the public school system in predominantly black schools until I graduated. And uh, my background is in engineering. So I I started at a school where in almost all of my classes, maybe all of them. There were very few, if any, where I wasn't the only black person in that engineering class. And um, there were even some instances in school. I actually had a a professor in a calculus class 
tell me, and I wasn't failing the class or any, uh, and there was no chance that I was going to fail his class. When I went in for some extra help, he actually shared with me that engineering isn't for everyone. And maybe I ought to think about changing my behavior. <laughs> well, for me, based on my personality, I, I didn't tell him this, but I simply thought, well, I'm not going to change my major and I'll complete this uh, program if it takes years and years. Uh, I was also uh, an intern at General Motors. And again, General Motors at that time was diverse, but mostly on the production floor, mostly the non-supervisory, non-professional uh, areas. So in the rotations I had, again, I was typically the only black. So I felt like I was alone, like uh, I didn't really have anybody I could really share anything with. And during that six years, I believe it was, I had I ran into one black manager and uh, I worked for him for a short period. And unfortunately, based on the reactions of some, I think it made it even worse. There were some discussions, some whispers uh, around, is he giving me preferential treatment? And I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> I've never had preferential treatment. And I don't think he he did. Uh, he certainly was one of the better supervisors that I had. So I appreciated that. But anytime we seem to maybe get a break, it uh, you get that kind of reaction. And it still happens today, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Any um, thoughts with regards to something you learned from that experience? Well, it was a, unfortunately, it was a fast track to learning uh, or at least maybe understanding what my parents had always been saying. You have to be better. You have to work harder. You have to keep your nose clean, so to speak. And, um, you know, you aren't necessarily going to get a break. You're just Mm going to have to work hard if you want to get anything or or have any level of, su- of success. Mm-hmm. Understood. I, I know that um, my journey in school, having gone to Catholic school and then being bused to um, different communities where, um, you know, they were predominantly white communities and we were bused with predominantly black and brown children. Um I looked forward to, and Damon, I heard you say, you know, Texas Southern, the um, HU, I mean, HBCU, Historically Black College. I went to Grambling, and I think much of my decision to go to Grambling State University, a historically black college, aside from the fact that my uh, family had strong roots there, I was third generation, and my children are fourth generation Gramblingites. But I think growing up in uh, San Diego, and even though I lived in a predominantly black community, I grew up in Emerald Hills. Um, my schooling was predominantly with persons who were white and uh, it was a completely different and rewarding experience to not be in the minority, so to speak, to not be, uh, to be part of the majority uh, population in an environment, you know, for a positive change where the, um, you know, when you're part of the dominant then that aspect of your identity is not so, um, it's not what it's about. It's you can easily connect uh, in a space kind of like beyond. Uh, in, in my instance, it would have been, it was race, right? 
and there's other aspects of one's identity. So uh, just a thought. How about the, the opposite of that with regards to um, having been or working and looking at the, um, actually, I'm going to stay here for just a moment. What are some of the challenges that an organization actually might might actually um, experience if it lacks diversity? What do you think are some of the challenges? Either of you jumping back in. Well, some of the challenges uh, are that you don't get all of the ideas that you can get if you have a diverse population. You have challenges around recruitment that is only going to get worse based on the demographics we're seeing. And there are a lot of studies that have shown that organizations that are less diverse aren't as productive, aren't as profitable, uh, they aren't as innovative. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's unfortunate companies do well and they think, well, I don't have to change or change is too difficult or they make excuses. We can't find good people of diverse backgrounds to hire or to recruit, which is also not true. Yeah. So, Dr. Check, I'm going to put a comma right there, but then come back on the opposite side of uh, what we need to take, which is a commercial break, and have you talk a little bit more about um, not only, and Damon will ask you to jump in, you know, what you see as the potential challenges, but then also what are some of the benefits and um, what have been your experiences working in uh, environments that are rich in diversity and what you've learned from them and also what might others do to, to foster that before we then look at inclusion and equity, the other part of that DEI equation. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl White and delighted to have our guest today, Damon Carson, General Manager of Education, Instruction, Operations at the Neighborhood House Association and Chairman of, and, and Chair of the Board for the National Hip Start Association. Also pleased to have Donald um, Chick. Dr. Chick is the President and CEO of New Synergistic Consulting both based in San Diego, California. Today, we're talking about lessons learned, living and advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Dr. Chick, before we went to break, you were talking about some of the challenges, and I think moving into talking about some of the benefits of a diverse workforce. Yes, we're talking about some of the challenges and just the fact, based on research, uh, based on many uh, studies, that organizations that are less diverse aren't as, don't perform as well as organizations that are. Uh, Unfortunately, as I was mentioning earlier, I think that's masked a little bit because you get an organization that is profitable, it seems to be working well, and uh, that is their excuse for not changing. Mm -hmm. There's also this concern about um, corporate ethics and the way a public organization and definitely a private uh, or a governmental organization should be working. So there's some real problems around ethics and ignoring the values that you're posting on your bulletin boards or talking to your employees about. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. How about yourself, um, Damon? Anything you might add with regards to the challenges or benefits of a diverse workforce? I think some of the the challenges... um, are around even in organizations who have the perception that we are diverse and we are inclusive. Uh, challenges around those types of organizations just checking boxes, meaning just, you know, just inserting people or hiring people because of a certain demographic. And I know people don't typically publicly say that, but you can easily get that feeling. And so when, when organizations uh, do that, uh, it, it presents a, a challenge because it's not really authentic. And it, mm-hmm. it's very hard to, to relate either to your clients or your customer base um, in terms of demonstrating diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, you know, there's, there's a great deal of challenges by merely just checking the box because you're not developing a true culture that represents DEI. Mm-hmm. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. So when we're um, looking at diversity, I'm saying, wow, um, how welcomed are people from various backgrounds and perspectives? Um, how welcomed are they with regards to coming to the table? And um, Dr. Chick, you kind of alluded to earlier, you know, if others can see that it's a diverse organization, that in and of itself might attract 
more diversity. If every time you bring someone in, they're a pioneer, um, what's happening to where your pioneers aren't staying and you move, don't move beyond having, you know, pioneers. And so I'll ask you to also um, share with us, you know, from your own personal journeys, have you ever been part of a diversity or say an organization that was rich in diversity? And what was that experience like for you? If you had that experience, Damon, I, I can, um, I know you have, cause we work in the same organization and I know it's very diverse, but you may have not only there, but in other spaces in your life. So would you share a little bit about what it feels like, um, to, uh, work in an organization that's rich in diversity, be it where you are now, or perhaps where you've been previously. For me, unfortunately, I would say I have not worked in an organization that was truly diverse and inclusive. I've worked in organizations where we had some level of diversity, but in many cases, the diversity didn't reach the very top levels of the organization. So you see, you saw others like you, uh, but in many cases, I would say I was the senior person who was of color. Uh, or I was the senior person, or maybe the only in many cases. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you my um, one of the best, and I'll call it a work experience that I had was my doctoral program, which was a very diverse group of people. And the learning that I had and the progress we made and the relationships that were created even to this day mm-hmm. are still there. Mm-hmm. That happens in diverse organizations uh, much more than they do in organizations that are not as diverse. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Damon, how about for yourself? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, yes, I, I've had the pleasure of, of working um, with or either for um, companies or associations that, that are diverse and inclusive. And certainly, uh, Dr. White, I can let you speak to, you know, the wonderful organization that we, we share, we both share, and, and how there is a commitment um, at, at every level in the organization uh, that extends to our governing body to be uh, essentially reflective of our local community. Um, our organization is an organization that, that probably has higher, our, our current population of employees in our organization probably rises to about a third of our employees were, were former clients of ours, were, were clients who received our services and just stuck with us and eventually became employees. So I'll let you kind of touch on that, Dr. White. But for the past four years, um, I've had the pleasure as uh, serving as president and chairman of the board uh, for the National Head Start Association. The National Head Start Association is a, is a, a membership association that represents uh, roughly 2,000 Head Start programs all across, all across the country, uh, about a million children, as well as uh, 250,000 employees. And the association's uh, role is is one to advocate for increased funding for Head Start programs, but obviously to maintain a pulse of of their membership and and really understand how things are going out there in the field uh, within Head Start programs. 
and, and through that work, I, I've probably, you know, prior to the pandemic, I, I probably spent uh, probably too much time on the road, more than my family would like to see me be out there visiting Head Start programs across the country. Um, Head Start programs are, are really founded, you know, they're, they're really founded on principles of inclusion, principles of diversity. Uh, many of their standards, regulations, and their policies really, really speak to the fact that it's very important for Head Start programs and educational programs to embrace uh, native tongues, native languages, even though a, a student or a child is, is learning English, Head Start programs are required to continue to value the home language, the native tongue, and, and, and really required to, to, to speak both languages in the classroom, not only to, to improve or the education or, or provide high quality education for the child, but, but really being respectful of different cultures and embracing different cultures and not losing sight of those cultures. So we have um, standards that really speak to uh, making sure we have pictures and books and materials that are reflective of a child's culture. And Head Start programs all across the country, I happen to know there's well over 200 different languages spoken in Head Start programs across the country. So an intentional concerted effort to embrace those cultures is, is, is really a wonderful piece that Head Start just naturally does. Mm -hmm. They didn't really have to make an effort to try to be diverse and inclusive. inclusive. And the one thing that I will say, there's another guiding principle. And this, this, this came into, uh, this, was, this was created in 1991. Uh, in 1991, the Office of Head Start created the 10 multicultural principles for, for Head Start programs. And this is kind of a guiding document of how to have your, 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 your program at every level demonstrate a multicultural approach. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, Damon, I'm going to ask you to um, share that. I know we've got to take a break coming up here. And we've, um, you know, we think about um, diversity is the welcoming the others to the to the table. And then Damien, you've began to talk about not only am I welcoming you to the table, but I'm inclusive of you. So when we talk about inclusion, it's really about co-creating an environment where people actually feel seen, they feel heard, they feel connected, they feel involved, they feel respected and valued. And so love to um, hear uh, what you have there with regards to those 10 elements. So I'm thinking on the other side of our break, if we could have you come back and um, share that, that would be great. And we'll look forward to um, carrying this conversation also with yourself, uh, Dr. Chick, as we talk about inclusion and then move into um, talking about equity with regards to the systems and the policies and the practices also being just and fair. So we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on The Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we are back with more on Leadership Matters, speaking with Damon Carson, General Manager of Education, Instruction, and Operations at the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, and Chairman of the Board. And Damon, I think he was with President and Chairman of the Board for the National Hip Start Association. And then Dr. Chick, uh, thank you also for being with us, President and CEO of New Synergistic Consulting, talking about lessons learned, living and advancing, diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace. And uh, Mr. Carson, I think you were going to share with us those 10, I believe you called them multicultural. Principles for Head Start programs. Wonderful. Principles for Head Start programs. Love to hear those and and, um, see how they might uh, relate to other uh, mm -hmm, programs. Forgive me for for reading off of the page. No, please. I appreciate your sharing them. But the first principle is Every individual is rooted in a culture. Uh, Second one is cultural, the cultural groups represented in the communities and families of each Head Start program are the primary sources for culturally relevant programming. Third one is culturally relevant and diverse programming requires learning accurate information about the culture of different groups 
and discarding stereotypes. The next one is addressing cultural relevance and making curriculum choices is absolutely a necessary developmentally appropriate practice. Programs to strive to maintain that every individual has the right to maintain his or, own, his or her own identity while acquiring the skills required to function in our diverse society. Effective programs for young learners with limited English speaking ability requires continued development of their first language while the, while the acquisition of English is facilitated. Culturally relevant programming requires staff who reflects the communities and families we serve. Multicultural programming for children enables children to develop an awareness of, respect for, and appreciation of individual cultural differences. This is beneficial to all children and families. Culturally, the uh, next one is culturally relevant and diverse programming examines and challenges institutional and personal biases. The last one is culturally relevant and diverse programming and practices are incorporated in all components and services. Mm -hmm. and like I said, this was written in 1991. <clears throat> awesome. I mean, I think that that continues to be extremely relevant and could be um, a wonderful template for many programs to follow. And I think it, it, it plays out and some of the principles and practices in Head Start as relates to even having the policy council and, um, you know, hearing from parents uh, about what they desire and would like for um, their children. And, you know, inclusion is, is about, you know, having that voice at the table. And I think in so many different ways, um, each of those different principles give voice to people coming from these uh, different uh, spaces and walks in life. And I, I love the emphasis on acculturation versus assimilation. You know, I can have my own culture and you're helping me develop the tools to acculturate, to be able to understand how to navigate in that dominant culture or society beyond my home. Um, but it doesn't take away that which is important and valued in my home. So thank you so much for sharing those. Uh, Dr. Chick, anything you'd like to add? Well, I'd like to add, those are some great tools that even for adults and organizations uh, should be considered. We know that when employees don't feel that their ideas, their presence, their contributions are valued or maybe not taken seriously, you lose out on all those ideas, those innovations, though that way of looking at a particular problem that can help organizations resolve them. Mm -hmm. So if I don't look forward to going to work, I'm less likely to take responsibility where I'm not being directed. That's mm -hmm. one issue. In mm -hmm. addition, I'm much more likely to leave. So you've spent mm -hmm. this money to recruit me and assuming I am a good worker, but you're ignoring me once I get into your uh, work site or workspaces, mm -hmm. then I'm leaving and you have to recruit somebody behind me, which mm -hmm. costs more money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so just underlining the difference between diversity, me being welcomed in, and inclusion, me being provided with the voice. And one of the interviews I saw some time back with Megan Markle, uh, she was 
I think what she said was women don't need to find their voices. Women have voices. Um, they need to be listened to and others need to be encouraged to listen. I mean, to um, to listen. So it's like we can have diverse voices at a table, but if no one creates a space to hear those voices, then you have the diversity, but the benefits that you talked about, Dr. Chick, aren't being leveraged. So diversity without inclusion, we're really not going to get the power that the diversity brings, the benefits that the diversity brings. Let's talk a little bit about um, equity. And um, when we think about DEI, um, diversity, equity, inclusion, the E part in there is really about the systems, the policies, the practices, you know, the use of authority in a fair and just way. Uh, Dr. Chick, what are your thoughts with regards to equity and um, maybe having worked in an environment where it was or was not? um, What's been your lived experiences with equity and what have you learned from them? Well, this is uh, the reason that we want to focus not just on diversity, but also equity and inclusion, Mm -hmm. because, okay, you're a diverse organization. You have people that look different, come from different backgrounds. But once they get there, you're not you're you might be making an excuse. We're not hearing their voices. But the question is, are you allowing their voices to be heard? So then when it becomes comes to equity, they aren't getting the same level of promotions. And we keep seeing over and over in various organizations, they aren't getting the same pay or the same pay raises. So we aren't providing an equitable situation and people know it's happening. In many cases, they have a hard time proving it. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask yourself. And, and one of the things my company works on as well is uh, change management or change leadership processes for organizations. And one of the key tenets that we talk about, whether it's DEI or something else, what roadblocks are there that stops you from getting the results you want that you're not dismantling or you're not changing? Mm-hmm. So it's okay, even if you really want that to happen, we want things to be equitable. Mm-hmm. But you're not examining your pay systems and asking from a, just a statistical basis, why are males more likely, you know, making 25 percent more than females mm-hmm. or 25 percent more than uh, people of color? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you, Dr. Check. How about for yourself, Damon? Have you um, ever experienced working in an environment where equity was there or not there and just what's been your lived experiences around um, equity and lessons learned? Well, recently I had a huge uh, aha moment. Uh, For the last year I've been kind of lending my voice to a lot of conversation on race, um, equality, discrimination, institutional racism, you know, uh, even, Cheryl, you know, done a lot of uh, contributing for Sesame Street, mm-hmm. who has taken a, a, a new approach to uh, talking about race and, and, and really explaining, um, you know, some of the results of institutional racism and the lack of social acceptance. So, so I've been on this journey for the last year of just talking about it, 
talking about my, my life experiences, um, my professional experiences, my personal experiences. But about two weeks ago, um, someone uh, was speaking and they, they, the light bulb went off for me. The aha moment was I didn't really understand the difference between equity and equality. Mm-hmm. I kind of used them like one and the same, right? <laughs> And then as this person was talking and I was really thinking about it, that they're two very distinct things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, when we talk about equality, it kind of speaks to everyone having the same rights and and being offered the same opportunities. You know, Mm -hmm. equity is really about ensuring individuals, you know, have what they need to enact those rights. Mm-hmm. And so they really, they gave a really cool example that, that I would really like to share with you all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they said, let's, let's just say a corporation uh, wanted to reward its employees for their hard work. And so they just, they decided to give uh, meals, free lunches. You know, you come to work and you get a free lunch. And that, that meal, um, you know, consisted of a, you know, a main course and an entree, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's the equity, like, like everyone gets the opportunity to um, uh, get a free lunch. But then the company, the company uh, did an evaluation of how, how their employees liked the meals. And then they realized that a third of the population was vegan. Mm-hmm. And they didn't really participate, nor did they care for the lunches. Mm-hmm. Well, that caused the company to, you know, offer vegan choices and be more equitable, right? Mm-hmm. Be mm-hmm. more equitable in the distribution of meals. Mm-hmm. And so that just that just made me realize that for all this time, you know, for the last year and beyond, I, I was kind of thinking equity and equality. Uh, we're one and the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're looking at that, um, absolutely, we can't move to treating everybody the same um, if they're not starting in or standing in that in that in the same place, right? So what's fair for one may mm-hmm. not necessarily be fair for someone else. I might need my uh, yes. CNI dog. You may not, right? Right. And I think I think oftentimes uh, and I'll just take myself as a as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I try to 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 uh, resolve issues or problems with that broad paint stroke. Mm-hmm. Right. That broad paint stroke mm-hmm. without really understanding the individual nuances of this mm-hmm. solution, who it might affect in different ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. So really being able to and willing to have the conversation that uh, allows us to figure out the, um, the needs and um, be fair in how we're exercising the use of our authority um, definitely comes down very often to our not so much uh, painting everything and everyone with the same brush, but being willing to kind of look at those different strokes Um, looks like we're going to have to go to a a commercial break again. But when we come back, uh, Dr. Chick, as well as Damon, I'm going to ask you just to think about, you know, are there any final tips and thoughts you'd like to share with our listening audience on any of these buckets with regards to diversity, 
equity, or inclusion. So stay with us. We'll be right back with some final thoughts from our guest, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by innovisions need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact innovisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services call 858-244-8264 that's 858-244-8264 or send an email to dr white her email address is dr white at innovisions.org innovisions is a social enterprise of the neighborhood house association of san diego california funds raised go to support the neighborhood house association's mission developing children families and future leaders of our communities through empowerment education and wellness Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we are back with Leadership Matters. Today, talking about lessons learned, living in advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. Uh, Damon, again, thank you so much for sharing your AHA because uh, it's a big one with regards to just distinguishing the difference between equity and um, equality. You know, those things which we're striving to be equal in uh, versus when we're looking at and striving also for ec- for equity. Dr. Chick, is there more you'd like to say on that? Yeah, I'd like to say first that I, I think uh, I love Damon's aha moment and uh, I'd like to share one as well. And I think it highlights the fact that we need to talk to our employees and we need to really get to know them and that'll make them feel more inclusive. And one of my aha moments was a talk that I heard where this uh, speaker talked about the golden rule, which we have probably all heard of, treat people how you want to be treated. But then he introduced this uh, platinum rule, which is we ought to be treating people the way they would like to be treated. So in order to do that, we have to be inclusive, understand our employees' needs and desires, Mm-hmm. And then design our programs and the way we're, and policies and the way we're going to treat people based on that understanding rather than just from where we sit or where we stand and saying, well, 
this is good for me, so it should be good for everybody. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, great point. Love the um, shift from the golden rule to the platinum rule. Uh, Damon, other thoughts from yourself? Well, I, I, I think this has just been a great opportunity. Um, I just have to say that I, I, in this short time, I've learned so much um, from the two of you. Um, you know, this this is this is obviously an issue that that has um, been alive and well for for decades, right? And 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 so. I can remember when I was when I was a young boy, and you know, either my mom or my dad being together uh, as a family, and we saw things that that didn't necessarily uh, embrace diversity and inclusion, and oftentimes, uh, you know, in 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 my culture, I'll just speak from my culture and my experiences. Oftentimes. Uh, we weren't always vocal about some of the things that we saw that weren't necessarily right um, because we didn't want to yeah, upset anyone or we didn't want to uh, be labeled as, as that problematic person or the one that's always the chronic complainer. But what I've learned in the, in the last um, two to three years is that you know, if we're, if we're going to change society, if we're going to change our own environments, if we're going to change workplace cultures, uh, one, you have to come with sincerity. You have to be sincere about it. You have to truly be sincere that you want to effectuate some sort of change. And you truly have to be vocal about it, mm-hmm. even in times where it's uncomfortable for you to be vocal. Mm-hmm. As leaders, that's the responsibility that we all share collectively is to be vocal and bring that sincerity on effectuating change each and every day. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, Damon. I I appreciate that. And I'll add to that because I I think as leaders, it's our willingness to be vocal and it's our willingness to hold that space open uh, Mm -hmm. for others who may not have the authority and the power. And if Mm -hmm. we don't create space and invite their voice, we won't hear their voice. Yes. So uh, yes. I, I think our, our giving voice, but also creating space uh, for the voices. Um, Dr. Chick, how about for yourself? Any final thoughts? As leaders, I think it's important that we not only put those values that we espouse, that we want to make sure all of our employees know about. We don't just put them on the bulletin board and talk about them. But we are willing to ask our employees, all of them, Mm -hmm. do you feel that we are upholding these values that you see posted around the office space and on our website and so forth? And if not, why not? And then what should we be doing about it? Mm -hmm. And we need to create spaces where the while the conversations may be difficult and uncomfortable, we can change that feeling if we open things up and talk about things in a non-judgmental fashion, mm-hmm. but continually asking ourselves, and this is without really a change from what those values are that most companies you'll see, they're different, but they're similar. Mm-hmm. Are these values the same for everyone in your organization? And if not, what should we be doing about that? Mm-hmm. 
Wonderful. Um, good thought. I mean, I think both of you have just triggered so many uh, thoughts. Uh, Dr. Um, Chick, when you were talking earlier about ethical leadership, when I think of of uh, DEI or EDI, you know, different people, different places um, put the letters uh, differently. And in any way, they're all, it's all about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Some will say, let's start with equity. So let's say EDI. Um, now don't don't invite me to your table if you're not you know, get your house clean and then invite me I've heard that <laughs> as well so start with equity so so I know it's different in different spaces but when I think of the whole journey around um, equity diversity and inclusion it really connects with what you said earlier about ethics and ethical leadership at its core it's um, leading in a way it's living in a way to help make the world better, fairer, and more humane. And Damon, I loved your connection to just being authentic. Do I have that authentic um, desire to be um, helpful uh, to others? And um, in that space, um, really thinking about what can I do and how can I make sure I'm checking myself and um, ensuring that I'm using my authority whatever space we're in, do I use the authority that I have as a parent, as a teacher, as a leader in the community, as a leader within the organization, do I use the authority that I do have in a fair and just way? And when I say no justice, no peace, if you want to have strife in the family and the organization, the school or wherever, then, you know, then walk in a space where people don't feel it's just and you'll have uh, strife. But if you want to have peace, ensuring that we as leaders are using our authority in a fair and just way can help with that. And I think for all of us, the whole notion of um, learning and growing, people learn and grow from interaction with each other. So I value and just really appreciate both of you and having this conversation um, with me and with us um, because I think that's how we all learn and grow. So uh, Damon uh, Carson, Thank you so much for being with us today. Dr. Donald Chick, thank you as well. And to our listening audience, we appreciate your tuning in today and every Wednesday. And then you can also download our um, broadcast at any time at your convenience on demand as well. But, you know, join us Wednesdays, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.